This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. We have got a loaded week. Got a nice show for you this morning. A little bit different swerve to it, but got a nice show for you this morning. Happy as always to have you listening. It is December 17th, and yet we've still got conference championship Saturday to go. We're fresh off of early signing day. More on that in just a second. Much more, actually, in just a second. So uh, what do we do on this? Well, as I am reminded constantly, we have new listeners every week, and so I have to remind you, the Late Kick Extra podcast, a little bit different from what we do over on YouTube. What we do on YouTube is Late Kick Live. Well, this is in addition to that. It's podcast only. It's Q&A. So you submit questions, joshpate706 at gmail.com, at Late Kick Josh on Twitter, and I answer them. However, this morning, it may sound a little bit different because we're coming off of, as I said, early signing day. I just call it National Signing Day now. And so a lot of you had recruiting questions uh, by the dozens and dozens and uh, maybe hundreds. I didn't count them up. At least several dozen. And so I, what I was going to do is I was just going to kind of give some thoughts on what yesterday was like. And boy, do I have thoughts. So many of you watched the show yesterday. How could you not? We had eight hours of it. You had to accidentally have stumbled upon it once or twice at least. But let me tell you, a lot of people did a lot of really good work yesterday. So uh, some of you actually asked questions about the show, not about what we covered, not about how's Auburn's recruiting class going to finish or anything like that. You did ask that, but you also just asked about the show. So we were told a few weeks ago we were going to do an eight-hour signing day show. Now, at the time, when someone tells you you're going to do something eight hours, you figure, well, that's impossible. So obviously that'll be shaved down and people will realize, oh, that, that can't happen. Well, we got closer and it never got shaved down. So yes, eight hours. Oh, by the way, it's going to be live, and there will be no breaks. So, uh, as you just heard me do, you just, just kind of exhale, but then you accept the challenge, and so let's go do it. And so what happened was, we have not seen each other. A lot of us who work for 24-7, we haven't seen each other in person since we walked out of the office, I believe, March 13th. March 12th or 13th, uh, B.O., one of our, our high-level mustaches, even though he himself doesn't have one. And this is the first time I've ever been able to reference B.O. in the podcast. Saw him walk back to HR. Saw him walk out of HR. And he said, hey, uh, we're out of here. We're not coming back in here tomorrow. And that's about the time everyone got sent home from work. So you remember what that time was like. It was spring. You know, everything is blooming and every, it's sunny and the weather is warming up. And yet everything got really dark really quick. So I have not seen Barton Simmons. I have not seen... Um, Trey Scott, a lot of the guys that some you do know, some you don't know. I have not seen these people in person since then. So that's eight months ago or seven months ago, something like that. So uh, we had to go get COVID tested the day before. And that's the old swab up the nose, warn the nurse that I may sneeze on her if it tickles deal. And all that happened. And I did test negative. So that was fun. And we all tested negative. So we get to go in the studio. We uh, linked up with CBS 
HQ down in Fort Lauderdale. So it was Barton and myself on the desk here. We had Steve Wiltfong on a separate desk in our Nashville studio. And then we had Bud Elliott and Brady Quinn down in Fort Lauderdale. And it was a back and forth, as you saw, pretty much all day. But um, so someone asked, and this was kind of funny because I never thought about this. Someone asked about our teleprompter. That was one of the questions from, let me scroll here, uh, Jeffrey. So Jeffrey asked, how do you write an eight-hour show? How does someone load, like, how does someone load a teleprompter? Jeffrey, they don't. That's the answer. They don't, at least not around here. There is no teleprompter. We just go, which is a blessing. Because if there was a teleprompter, your boy would not be talking to you this morning. I'd be in a coma somewhere. No way. No how. And so, um, fortunately, the folks down at CBS uh, Sports HQ trusted us enough and gave us enough rope to where we could do our thing. And so it was, I think, pretty easy for me because I'm not the one who has to have all that information readily available. But, you know, tossing to Barton constantly, tossing to Steve constantly, you had Bud down in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, That was, it was a really, really, I thought, a really good show. Like, we were very proud of the product that we were able to put out there. A lot of folks behind the scenes uh, from the editorial side, you know, we had an entire machine of video editors that were pumping stuff out here yesterday. We had an entire team of folks on desk that were pumping articles out. I saw some of the content numbers that we did just for 24-7 Sports yesterday uh, that were incredible. And then you get down to the team sites and see, that's really how I grew up coming to understand the recruiting industry is the team site. And it all bleeds up to the national level, obviously, but that's the foundation it's really built on is the network of team sites. And whether you're an LSU fan or a Michigan fan or a South Carolina fan, Alabama fan, whatever the case may be, you know what I'm talking about. You've got your Bama online or your horns 24-7 and dogs 24-7, and you're glued to that all day. And there are awesome people who are working countless tired hours just like we were nationally. Uh, The only difference is you don't get to constantly see their face all the time. But make no mistake, that's not forgotten. And we had some of our team site guys on yesterday to talk about, I believe it was Donovan Edwards, a big four-star running back. Sam Webb had him on, Tom Loy, Rusty Manziel. But dozens and dozens and dozens of folks coast-to-coast yesterday making sure that that went off largely without a hitch. Didn't have any real hiccups. I think we had one microphone go out, but that was about it. So from the team site level to the national editorial level, both places, Fort Lauderdale and Nashville, really, really good stuff. Really enjoyed it and really appreciated the feedback that you guys had. So that was just kind of a walkthrough, sort of how we put that together and how we were able to make that get on air. And hopefully you enjoyed it. So having said that, what about what we covered? You know, that was really what I wanted to talk about this morning. And fortunately, when I woke up a couple hours ago and I looked in the inbox and started to aggregate, I said, oh, look, that's pretty much what they want to talk about, too. Now, I'm not going to, you know, hopefully I'm not. I can't promise. I don't plan on diving into the weeds of, you know, breaking down the intricacies of the left side of the offensive line recruiting class for LSU. I'm not going to do that. But here's what I know. I know a lot of you are hardcore recruiting fans, but I also know some of you are hardcore college football fans And you watch the product on Saturday and you follow coaching searches, but maybe you don't have time, nor do you have really the energy to invest in knowing about recruiting. But you know how important it is. It's like if you watch the NFL, but you don't really follow the draft just because I don't want to keep up with that. I mean, I'll know them eventually when they get here. I understand that. 
I understand having a life. Well, excuse me. Let me let me rephrase. I understand that some of you out there have lives and responsibilities and whatnot, and you're not getting paid to cover this stuff all the time. Nor if, even if you do it free, do you have the energy to do it all the time. And so I'm here for you. So I'm going to give you kind of a broad strokes where you can understand what happened yesterday, where you can sound like you've taken a deep dive into this stuff over the last eight to twelve months, and you really haven't. First thing you need to know. Uh, Nick Saban is an assassin, really good at recruiting, as it turns out. There was a time I went back and looked in our archives on Late Kick Live, and it was May. It was like May 29th. I tweeted the clip yesterday, and it was the time where, obviously, we're into the pandemic at that point, and Alabama was ranked 41st in recruiting. Side note, Tennessee was ranked in the top five. In fact, it was a really weird-looking top five, top 10 at the time. There were some schools up there that normally aren't up there. And so there was some panic. Now, no one will admit this now, but I remember it. That, that was the entire reason I was doing the segment was there was some panic. And I don't mean panic by my mom. I don't mean panic by the bus driver that stops outside my apartment here. I'm talking about Alabama fans. And you know who you are. You don't have to out yourself publicly. I care for you guys. I understand. But you know as well as I do which one of you Several of you actually were filling my inbox and filling my Twitter DMs asking, what's up with Alabama recruiting? Well, nothing. I think they had one kid committed for a while. Uh, Deontay Lawson, I want to say, was the kid they had committed for a while. So anyway, we do a segment, and I essentially made probably the least bold proclamation that I've ever made on air or otherwise, and I said, I think Alabama's still going to finish in the top five. I think they're going to be okay. And as it turns out, in retrospect, my only regret is I wish I would have been more forceful, and I wish I would have been a little bit more aggressive with the prediction. I wish I would have just taken a shot and said they're going to finish number one. Because, uh, friends, they're going to probably finish number one. And not only that, they sit here as we're talking to each other this morning on Thursday morning. They are the number one class in the country by a pretty wide margin at the moment over Ohio State. And so I want to pause there. I'm going to get back to Alabama. But speaking of Ohio State, in that same time period, on that same show, I think, in late May, that was around the time where we were talking about Ohio State as having a virtual death grip on having the number one overall class in the country for this cycle, and were they going to have the highest rated class of all time? And Ohio State's sitting here at the number two spot right now, but it was thought of as just lunacy, heresy, if you were to suggest anything other back then, then Ohio State's going to have the number one class in the country which goes to show you there are no certainties in the world of recruiting ever, much less in spring. Doubly much less in a pandemic season. I don't know what that means. I just keep throwing it in there, as everyone else seems to do. Well, it's pandemic year. You know, it's a COVID year. You know how those COVID years are, by the way. Think back. You know, what's your favorite COVID year in college football? What are your most lasting memories from COVID years in college football? Okay, so now that was in May, and we fast forward. It's late December. It's early signing period. There's Alabama with a 319 overall score on their class, Ohio State behind them at 310. Just to give you an idea, those are the only two teams with classes rated above 300. That 300 benchmark is sort of the benchmark, as Barton Simmons said, I think, on the air yesterday, for what you would consider an elite class. You know, two, listen, if you're in the 270s, that's a really good class. Oregon is at 280. That's the number six class in the country. Oklahoma, number seven, 268. Florida, number eight, 267. These are really good classes by comparison. Alabama sitting here at 319. 
Ohio State 310, and then Georgia 294. To give you an idea of how wide that gap gets when you're talking about the elite, elite, elite recruiters. But here's what I want you to know with Alabama. Yesterday, we go in there, and you're talking about folks who have followed this stuff. In the case of Steve Wiltfong and Barton Simmons, for example, daily, hour by hour, day by day. We go in there yesterday, and we know that we're about to have to talk for eight hours. Okay, And sometimes when you get on air... It, you have to be glued to stuff or else you can start to miss the undercurrent, the subcurrent. Those of you who are hardcore recruiting fans, you know a lot of you are, are dialed in on message boards and dialed in on Twitter because stuff is changing. It's changing really minute by minute sometimes. And as you can imagine, if you have the responsibility of being on air, then sometimes you can lose track as you're following a format and you got cues in your ear and you're trying to follow elements on screen and you're tossing here, tossing there. Well, you can't follow, all right, what's happening with this announcement that's coming up at 1015? What are we hearing right beforehand? You got you guys actually are probably more in tune with that sometimes than we are. Well, there starts to be this little drip, drip, drip of information about Alabama. And it was thought they were probably going to have a pretty quiet day. Their goal was, as far as we could tell, to make sure all their early enrollees were early enrollees. They all signed. And by the way, 24 out of 24 kids in Alabama's class have signed. It's the first time in history they've done that. Every one of their signees is an early enrollee. So you start to get a little drip, drip, drip. And we start to hear rumors about kids who could flip to Alabama. Now, one of them was Keanu Coat, and it wasn't the biggest shock in the world that he flipped from LSU to Alabama. That's a, by the way, a 6'4", about 220-pound defensive end from Florida. It wasn't the biggest shock. There were whispers behind the scenes about that. That's not the one that really got us. The one that really got us was you get later in the day, and we were focused on a kid named Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy is a four-star receiver. He's out of California. He's been committed to Michigan. And it was down to Michigan and Alabama, really. There was just some there was some concern or maybe interest as to whether he would stick with Michigan or whether he may flip to Alabama. Alabama doesn't lose out on many wide receivers they target. And so Xavier Worthy ends up sticking with Michigan. Okay, so you think to yourself, well, all right, Bama just missed on that wide receiver. Hey, it's rare, but it happens. You figure, though, all right, that's going to be the class. That's a wrap for Alabama. Then all of a sudden, at about 3 o'clock, so keep in mind, we've been on air since 8 a.m. Central. Nonstop, no break. All of a sudden, we toss up to Steve Wiltfong, like we've done a dozen or so times already in the show. And I toss to him to talk about a specific person. Okay, Wiltfong takes an off-ramp. I mean, he just grabs the steering wheel and... And everyone's screaming and they're holding on for dear life. And Wiltfong says, hey, uh, Jojo Earl... What you guys know about him? Uh, well, he's going to LSU. That's what I know. And then Wolf Fong drops the old, I don't know about that. And JoJo Earl was not a guy that was on anyone's radar when we walked in that studio yesterday morning. Well, here's what happens. Just to give you an idea of what Nick Saban's doing right now. JoJo Earl was committed to LSU. He was ready to sign with LSU. He is a high four-star wide receiver out of Texas. No one even had him on the radar. No one in the Alabama circles was talking about him. As it turns out, this guy was an option for Alabama all along. When I say Nick Saban's an assassin, here's what I mean. LSU is one of Alabama's biggest rivals. This kid, Jojo Earl, was committed to LSU, and all the while, unbeknownst to LSU or anyone else, was an option for Alabama. He was waiting on the call. 
essentially just waiting on the call. And when Xavier Worthy doesn't come through, Nick Saban makes the call. And right there on signing day in front of God and everyone, he is going to his rival's recruiting list and essentially saying, all right, I'll take that one. And JoJo Earl says, all right. And he comes on down. And so, boom, you got JoJo Earl. And I watched that, and I couldn't really couldn't really fully appreciate what was happening as we were live on air. But man, oh man, could you imagine that? And it's just like watching him, and he never cracks a smile. Nick Saban, Steve Wolfong does. Watching Nick Saban, he never cracks a smile. It's just business as usual, ho-hum. And yet to the rest of the world, it's like watching a movie and like watching an assassin go to work. Figuratively, of course. Just taking whatever you want, virtually, whatever you want. So this class for Alabama is insane, just amazing. They've got four of the top nine receivers in the country committed. They've got both the top offensive tackles in the country committed. Dallas Turner is my favorite player in this class, probably. He's a five-star defensive end out of uh, Fort Lauderdale down in South Florida. He did his commitment on air with us, actually. So that class is loaded. There are a lot of other loaded classes. Ohio State's got a phenomenal class. They may not be done. They signed the number one overall receiver in the country who committed about a week ago, Emeka Egbuka. Had a chance to talk to him yesterday on air. Really impressive kid. I know that sometimes if you're a little bit older, you know, I'm not a high school aged kid anymore. So I'm in my 30s. I'm talking to a kid who's 17 or 18 years old, depending on when his birthday is. A lot of times you're used to talking to people your age. So it's not all that shocking when someone is able to put together really well-structured sentences when they're giving a response to a question. But then you got to remember, no, 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 no. I'm not talking to a guy who is 31 or 32. I'm talking to a guy who's 17 or 18. I remember what I sounded like when I was 17 or 18. I didn't sound like a Mecca Egbuka. I can promise you that. And I fancied myself as having a future in the media industry. So I had every reason to try and structure sentences correctly and try and sound halfway coherent. He was really impressive, is what I'm saying. And well thought, well spoken. He's very cerebral in nature. And he's a guy who is going into a situation at Ohio State where he knows, as a wide receiver, his position group is loaded. I always have respect for guys like that. Because by default, if you're ever going to start as a wide receiver at Ohio State, you have to have that mentality. You can't be looking for the path of least resistance. It'll never exist in Columbus. You got to have a guy who wants to go and fight and earn a spot. That's what. That's how they do it there. That's how they do it at Alabama. That's how they do it at places where you know going in, they're loaded pretty much everywhere. Ohio State's got a really, really good class. And we were reading on air yesterday, their top signees. So they have one, two, three, four, five. They got five kids currently committed rated five stars. And they got several other high four stars. I don't want to limit this or act like there's a cutoff. Just for an example here, I'm going to read you their five-star kids and where they're from. Jack Sawyer is from Ohio. He's from Pickerton, Ohio. Okay. Emeka Egbuka, just mentioned him, the wide receiver. He's from Washington State. Donovan Jackson is a five-star offensive lineman. He is from Texas. Travion Henderson is a five-star running back. He's from Virginia. Kyle McCord is a five-star quarterback. He's from Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia area. Do you notice? I could keep going. I mean, Jacqueline Johnson is their next highest rated kid. He's a corner. He's from Missouri. They go all over the place. It's a national recruiting effort. It's really incredible to watch it happen. It's really incredible to watch a current battle happening between programs like Ohio State and Alabama for kids that are in the Pacific Northwest. It just doesn't matter. State boundaries, state lines, they don't matter to the biggest programs. And I've 
talked about that before on this podcast and elsewhere. State lines, state boundaries, they matter less and less every year. That's what technology, it's one of the side effects of technology and social media. And a lot of times that's used to explain away things. Hey, why is it raining so much today? Well, you know, with social media and everything, hey, why is um why is this muffin not cooked all the way? Well, you know, with social media and everything, well, sometimes that just spills out of people's mouths. But in this case, it's true. If you're, let's say you're 45 years old listening to this, we got folks of all ages who listen. If you're 45 years old, that means you were born when? You were born uh, mid-70s, and so you would have you know, come of age in the mid-80s, late-80s, early-90s. Well, obviously, you didn't have a cell phone, and therefore, you didn't really have internet either, and you didn't have the ability to freely and easily connect with kids all over the country. That's commonplace now. That's just reality. It's as easy for kids to hop on Xbox and talk to someone 3,000 miles away as it was for you to walk across the street and go visit your buddy at your neighbor's house. In fact, it's easier for them to do that than it was for you to do what you did because at least you had to get up, put your shoes on, and walk outside. And the point of that is no one thinks about distance, geographic distance like they used to. And that's very important in recruiting. I don't think we should overlook the job that Oregon's doing. Oregon is sitting here with the number six overall class in America. That's good for number one by a fairly wide margin overall in the Pac-12. And I also want to remind you, this is right in the thick of them working towards a Pac-12 championship game Friday, so tomorrow. And it's also right in the middle of Mario Cristobal at least negotiating a contract extension out there. That may be official by the time you listen to this. I don't know how that's going to shake out. However... This is a really impressive class, and as we just did, I mean, this is obviously what you have to do at Oregon, as we just did with Ohio State. I'm not going to read you the names. I'll just read you the kids' locations. Starting at the top, Utah, California, Arizona, Maryland, Arizona, Oregon. Got an in-state kid there. California, Nevada, Mississippi, New York, Utah, Colorado, Maryland, Arizona, California, Utah, North Carolina, Texas, California, Arizona, California. There is one in-state product, and Oregon itself is a really big state. There is one in-state product in this entire class. It's a national recruiting effort. Mario Cristobal and his staff put together one of the best recruiting classes that they have had in the history of Oregon football, if we're being honest with ourselves. Also, I want to talk about a really, really big disappointment. I'll do it right after this. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. That was probably the most rushed ad toss that I've had in quite a while, but I wanted to get to a point, so I tossed it to ad break really, really abruptly. I want to start scrolling, okay? So I'm sitting here looking at the 2021 class rankings for 24-7 sports. All right, I'm going to start scrolling right now. I'm scrolling at a leisurely pace. There we go. We're through the teens. Now we're through the 20s. All right, we're through the 30s, and boom, there we see it. Number 40, 
the Auburn Tigers. Had one of your questions, actually several questions, so I'll just answer it generically about why they were so low. Well, I think part A is obvious. There's no head coach at Auburn right now. Part B, no one knows who the head coach is going to be. And part C, the remaining staff is not exactly known as world beaters on the recruiting trail. So that's what you were trying to sell. I think it is really laughable to hear what I've heard out of Auburn, which is the powers that be when it comes to that recruiting search or that coaching search, I guess you do recruit coaches, is they don't really care and didn't care the whole while about early signing day. They weren't working around the constraints of making sure they had an announcement by early signing day. Now that to me is, I'm not going to say unacceptable because there is no perfect way to do it when the timeline is as it is, but to have the attitude completely on the other side of the extreme to say, well, we don't care about it. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous too. Well, if you don't care, this is what you get. You get a class that is number 40 in the country. Uh, Just to give you an idea of how Auburn's class compares to the likes of Alabama, the five-star, four-star, three-star. Auburn has zero, four, and nine. Five-star, four-star, three-star for Alabama. Alabama has six five-stars, 14 four-stars, four three-stars. Some of you are out there still misguided enough to believe stars don't matter. Okay, well... You check out who's playing in conference championship Friday and Saturday. You check out that playoff and you come back and you uh, give me a dissertation. Give me 1,500 words on how stars don't matter after you watch the playoff. So Auburn's sitting here at number 40. Listen, I'm going to talk a lot more about the coaching search tonight. I've been trying to give you the latest as we hear it, not necessarily just filtering Twitter rumors, but trying to give you the latest tangible information as we hear it on Light Kick. I got to tell you something. One of the thoughts I had in the back of my mind the entire second half of our show yesterday When we had talked about Georgia and LSU had a good day, Georgia had a good day, Bama obviously had a good day, Texas A&M is currently sitting number 11 and could still have some additions. I'm just sitting there thinking about the fact that Auburn plays those teams every year. Uh, They are not going to be close in this year's cycle. They have also not compared to those classes in the last several cycles they better get a lot more serious about their coaching search than the way it seems to be trending. Now, there could be things going on behind the scenes we don't know about. They may end up hitting a home run. What I'm telling you is anything less than a home run is going to get steamrolled in the SEC by the schedule that Auburn has to play every year. you got to get really serious. See, this is why I almost sounded a little bit aggravated when they fired Malzahn or the suggestion of firing Malzahn was floating around pretty substantially the last couple of years, I was never anti-making a coaching move. That's not what I was against. What I was against is making the move and then wading out into the pool like you hadn't already taken a dive in all the way to the bottom and found what you were looking for. You can't afford to do that. You can't just make a move from a guy who was decent and expect that you could only upgrade. No, no, there's an opposite way you could go. You could completely fall into a dumpster and be an afterthought for a decade. That's the other side of the coin. And if you don't knock it out of the park with this hire, that's what you're going to be. You're going to be an afterthought. How How could you be anything other than that? This schedule doesn't take a break. These programs... They are recruiting to compete against each other. And if you want to insert yourself into that conversation, they'll be happy to compete against you too. But if you don't insert yourself into the conversation, they don't cancel the games with you. You still play Bama, Georgia, LSU, and A&M every year on top of whatever else you happen to draw on your schedule, both in and out of conference. The only difference is instead of them circling you, 
you'll be the game where they say, all right, let's get out of this one healthy. We'll run it up in the first half, and then we'll we'll rest the starters. We'll get some backups, some really good quality playing time against a team that uh, they used to be pretty good, and they still get people's attention. But, hey, we're favored by three and four touchdowns against Auburn for a reason. Is that the future we want here? Now, I know it's largely out of your control, but if you supported the move, if you supported getting rid of Malzahn, I just want you to remember something. That guy never recruited a top five class. Malzahn was never building Auburn to a place where perennially they were going to be elite. There were problems with the program. I'm not best friends with Gus Malzahn. I'm not trying to gloss over the inconsistencies that they had there. Things were far from perfect. Things weren't trending in the right direction. I grant you all of that. What I'm telling you is there's a difference between having a hole in the balloon and just popping the balloon entirely. So you had a hole in the balloon with Malzahn, but that's okay. You can still stay afloat with a hole in the balloon. But now, to make a move, you may have just completely punctured the balloon entirely. Well, there is no staying afloat, with that being the case. So this coaching search, right now it's still undecided. It better be a home run. I don't care who it is. It better be a home run. And I'll tell you the other one I'm really impressed with, and that's Michigan at number 12. Michigan being at number 12 in the recruiting rankings makes no sense to the casual fan. The casual fan, you know, it probably makes about as much sense as LSU being number four. Because the casual fan looks at LSU and Michigan and says, whoa, they had terrible seasons. I mean, LSU, their season's been a disaster up until last Saturday and still nothing to write home about. Michigan, they have woefully underachieved relative to expectation. Couldn't even finish the year. There's no way anyone wants to go play there. And they're ranked, what? Wait, what did you say? Fourth? Twelfth? What? Doesn't make any sense, does it? And I'll talk about LSU a lot more tonight and in the coming weeks. Uh, But Michigan, sitting at number 12. Not only are they number 12, they have their franchise quarterback in this class. Now, J.J. McCarthy has been committed for a long time. He's a five-star kid, top 25 overall in the country. Not at the position. He's number two overall in terms of quarterback grades in the country. That's a big-time get. And obviously, when you have the cornerstone of your class being quarterback, you can get some other kids that want to play with him. Case in point, their next two highest rated commits, Donovan Edwards committed yesterday live on the show. Well, he committed live while the show was happening. He did it in a blizzard somewhere. So I don't worry about him acclimating to the climate. Donovan Edwards is a four-star running back, top 50 player overall. He comes to Michigan. Xavier Worthy, top 100 overall player, wide receiver. He comes to Michigan. And so you're getting offensive skill up there. You combine that with what they already have. Michigan, I know this sounds very counter to what you think of them. Michigan's going to have one of the fastest wide receiver cores in the country in the coming years. I mean, if all those kids play, if all those kids pan out, and we don't have any reason to believe they won't, it's a crapshoot as always, but if they do pan out, Michigan football could look different. This is why when I've talked about Jim Harbaugh, I've said I didn't believe in firing him. Whether he gets fired or whether he moves on or not, that's an entirely different discussion. I didn't believe in making the move on him only because I thought the move to Josh Gaddis was probably the right move. It was just never going to pan out immediately. Josh Gaddis immediately did not have the right seeds to work with. You wanted him to grow an apple tree and you gave him squash seeds. Well, you can't grow apples with squash seeds. You have to have the right seeds. Well, now finally, to do what they want to do offensively, they're starting to get the right seeds in there. So this, the fact that they kept this class together and added on to it, added big pieces, kept big pieces, and they finished top 15 in a year where there was so much uncertainty, and still is, about the status and long-term future 
of this coaching staff and who's going to be there and are we ever going to contend again? Having said all that, Michigan is currently sitting here with a better class than Tennessee, than Southern Cal, than Texas, than Penn State. So that's a really good job, and you got to tip your cap to the Michigan coaching staff up there for keeping things on the rails. And more than keeping them on the rails, they had a stellar class yesterday, and they closed strong, and that's what's important. All right, here's what I want to remind you. It's a big week. It's conference championship week. We just came out of the early signing date. And I also want to tell you, we got a big episode of Late Kick Live coming up tonight. We're going to have some more conference championship previews. I've already done Clemson, Notre Dame, and Alabama, Florida. Those are on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel if you want to check those out. If you haven't already, subscribe there. Also, give me a follow on Twitter because there's a lot going on, period. And I can't fit all of it in the podcast and the show even. So at Late Kick Josh on Twitter is where you want to find me. We'll have a really, really jam-packed show tonight. I'll also be talking about coaching searches. I don't know what could happen between now and the show, but whatever it is, we'll talk about it. I appreciate you so much for listening to the podcast. Remember to drop us a five-star review, trying to get to a thousand five-star reviews. That's where we want to be. We're inching ever closer. So drop those for us. Thank you again so much for listening to Late Kick Extra. I'm Josh Pate. Have yourself a great Thursday and God bless. begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 